Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The Bible is the book. It is one book, yet it's made up of 66 books. All of God's people love this book, and yet to one person it may be a book of laws, to another, a book of ethics and morality, and to others, it's just a book of stories and metaphors. Actually, the kind of book that it is to us depends mainly on what kind of person we are as we read it. May we be those who have come to the end of keeping the law, the end of human ethics and storytelling. May we be those who have been brought to the end of ourselves and have discovered that we truly have been crucified with Christ and that it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Ron Kangas has joined us as we continue our life study in the Psalms. And Ron, we uh, somewhat continue the theme that has been established in these previous programs, but to me it's still quite fresh. It's very fresh, and uh, I was paying attention to your introductory word, and I picked up on two particular matters. One is, and I fully agree that What the Bible is to us is determined by the kind of person we are. In practicality, Mm -hmm. an ethical person will regard the Bible as a book of ethics. And then toward the end, you mentioned about may we be those who have come to the end of law-keeping by our own effort and to be those, and obviously you're referring to Galatians 2.20, who realize they have been crucified with Christ and that they no longer live, but Christ lives in them. I see these two matters as intrinsically related. To be a person in Galatians 2.20, especially when that verse is considered in the context of the book of Galatians as a whole and chapter 2 in particular, to be a person in that verse is to be crucified to the efforts of the self to fulfill the law to please God and to be a person in whom Christ lives and a person who in resurrection is living Christ and is one with Christ and to such a person the Bible is a book of God's economy such a person will certainly not be unethical. He or she will be more than ethical, higher than moral. But the perspective that such a person has of the Word of God will be the perspective of the God of the Word, the God who has an economy, who has an intention, who has a central thought woven into the Scriptures themselves. 
And this central thought is that God in Christ as the Spirit, based upon God's selection and Christ's redemption, would dispense himself into us and work himself into us that we may live him and thereby express him corporately. This view, of course, comes absolutely from the New Testament revelation. You can find it in Ecclesiastes. You can find it in Job. And it can be found in the Psalms if your eyes are opened and enlightened through the ministry of the New Covenant to rightly discern the divine revelation from the human concept in the Psalms. This distinction attributed to the composition of the book of Psalms itself, the distinction that not everything uttered here is the divine thought, is shocking to some who, I would say, have a kind of religious reverence for the Scriptures rather than a divinely enlightened understanding of the infallible Word of God. If we have the divine understanding through the New Testament revelation, we will see that when David is praying about certain things in the Psalms, he is being godly, he's being pious, but he's being natural in his concept. But other Psalms or portions of the Psalms are written in such a way that the inspiring Spirit of God comes in to reveal the divine thought. This we've seen in Psalm 2 Mm. concerning Christ established on the hill of Zion to be the king in God's economy. and We saw this in Psalm 8 and 22 and 23. And we need to continue to see this. The Lord Jesus in Luke 24 enabled the disciples to see in the Psalms, the things concerning himself. So in brief, we would like to be Christ men, seeing Christ in the Psalms and understanding the Psalms according to the New Testament revelation of God's eternal economy. This makes the Bible different to us, not because the Bible itself changes. It cannot change. It's because we are different by being Christ men, coming to the Bible as such persons, and seeing in the Bible God's economy. As baffling and as mysterious as this may sound to a number of our serious listeners who love the Psalms and read the Psalms daily for spiritual succor and support, this is absolutely true and faithful to the New Testament revelation, and true to the principle of the progressiveness of the divine revelation in the scriptures. I would hope that our listeners would really be open to the enlightening spirit and give both brotherly sharing and our fellowship a fair, unbiased hearing, and then reread the scriptures, and we would hope study the life study volumes to rightly understand what is being ministered, and to be prepared to see a wonderful revelation of God's economy focused on the all-inclusive Christ. Hmm. 
Okay, we have a group of psalms today, beginning with 34. Uh, we've split it into two parts. We'll have two sections today of Witness Lee. The first section, 34, 35, 36, all of which I'm going to say, we will say up front, are psalms that convey the human thought and not the divine. And I think that will become quite clear as uh, Witness Lee uh, touches it. But briefly, for those who may not be familiar, 34 is a psalm where David has had the experience of uh, being pursued by a king, King Abimelech, I believe, who is desiring to kill him and to escape or to be delivered. David um, uh, disguises himself, actually pretends to be insane and is drooling on his beard and making quite a scene, quite a spectacle. It's described, I think, in 1 Samuel. And this uh, technique or this ruse uh, fools the king and he is delivered. And so he writes this psalm as a psalm somewhat of thanksgiving, giving God the credit for this. And so Witness Lee will touch this point. Then 35 is David uh, again being pursued in his prayer, somewhat beseeching the Lord to use certain specific weapons against his enemies and in a way kind of instructing God in this matter. And then in the following Psalm 36, he is also instructing God on how he should be dealing with the wicked. So that is David's approach. That's the thought that comes through in these Psalms. And Witnessly will contrast that quite dramatically, I think, with the New Testament thought. And in this portion, he will use a familiar section from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'll just read the one verse so that it can be lingering in our listeners' mind as they listen to this portion. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Here's Witness Lee. Psalm 34. 31 of the psalm was written when David uh put on a mask. He disguised himself. He was not crazy, but he disguised himself to be crazy. Why? Because by that time, he was before a king who didn't have the ability to kill him. Then he got delivered. After that, he wrote this psalm. He gave all the credit to God. Actually, he delivered himself by disguising. (laughs) Disguising is a kind of falsehood. Then Psalm 35 is very strange. He begged God to uh, fight against his enemies, against David's enemies, with weapons. (laughs) Then 36 is his asking of God to deal with those wicked in his eyes. And he gave God instructions how to deal with. Right? So when we come to uh, a book like this, we surely should understand Psalm is not the only book of the Bible. Tonight, this is my burden to help you to understand the Bible, right, we must exercise one principle. That is, in God's economy, he planned to make himself one with man and to make man one with him. If you have seen this, I tell you, this will make a lot of judgment on you. John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
right? You are very mad, or I'm very new. You just keep this in your understanding. Now you come to some. No, surely David was not a branch. He didn't know this. So you have to pick up the proper principles. The main principle is this: that God and His children surely will be one. Ron, it is uh, difficult to see the principle that is conveyed in a passage like uh, John 15 uh, being realized and certainly not being lived out by David in such a, a passage as these three psalms, isn't it? This is uh, what we need to dwell on. And as a reminder to ourselves and to our listeners, uh, Brother Lee is ministering on the psalms from the point of view of God's New Testament economy. He is not trying to approach the Psalms as if he were a Jew in the Old Testament dispensation. The Lord himself and the New Testament apostles didn't read the Old Testament that way. They read it according to God's economy in Christ. And we should be in the same principle. So there is a contrast presented to us between David offering earnest, serious, godly, pious prayers in these three psalms, beseeching the Lord, thanking the Lord in his situation. We see that contrasted with a very different kind of spiritual relationship with God, which is frankly, that in Christ we're part of him, we're one with him, we're joined to him organically. The one who said in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, that is Jehovah God come in the flesh in John chapter 1. That is God becoming a human being. And we know from the previous chapter, John 14, that this God incarnate is the Son with the Father by the Spirit, the embodiment of the triune God, and he is the one saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Then he says, the branches are in me. Abide in me. This is to be in him, to be a part of him, although, of course, distinct from him in his Godhead, but the same as he in life and nature. This is God making himself one with man and man living in oneness with God in Christ. And John 15 also speaks of prayers, but those are the prayers uttered by the branches abiding in the vine who are absolutely one with God and in whom God's intentions become their wishes. So what we're attempting to say here is that to pray to God, to thank God, to piously, earnestly seek God, but in a condition of being not one with him organically is very, very different from God making himself one with you and you're becoming one with God in Christ and then praying and having fellowship with the Lord and experiencing and enjoying him in that organic union. 
In no way are we challenging our listeners, but we would invite them. Read Psalms 34, 35, and 36, and then immediately read John 15. Are these not in two different universes? We're going to continue in this next segment to go on to Psalm 37 and 38, uh, 39 if we have time. But we see uh, David starts out in 37, still in the other universe, Ron. It's clear. This is a psalm where David repeats, and you mentioned Psalm 1. David repeats the thought that he brought up in Psalm 1, and that is that the righteous will be blessed. The righteous, in this case, will possess the land, and the wicked will be cut off. Uh, And this is his thought in 37. But we see a distinct turn in his utterance as we come to 38. And I'll uh, encourage the listeners to look for that turn. It's quite important. We have come to another three psalms, 37, 38, 39. In 37, David has a strong logic. Logic concerning God's dealing with the righteous and with the wicked based upon a principle, the principle of uh, the law-keeping. This is a reputation of Psalm 1. Very good. Again and again and again, the righteous will possess the land, will inherit the land, and the wicked will be cut off. This is a principle set up by David's logic, according to the principle of the law-keeping. But don't forget when we come to New Testament economy, Paul says, according to law, I am righteous. But in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I, what? I have been crucified. Finished. So what? Now, it is no more I. I've been crucified. I've been replaced by Christ. No more I, but Christ lives in me. Amen. What? Paul says, are you still keeping the law? That's foolish. Today, who is here? No more David, but Christ. David encouraged people to keep the law, but Christ rather crucifies every law keeper. Let's go on to the next, next Psalm. 37 Psalm is on one pole. 38 right away turns to the other pole. Verse 3 says what? There's no soundness in my flesh, and there's no wholeness in my bones due to my sin. What is here? What is here? Sin. Indignation. Right? My iniquities have passed over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. I don't know how to keep the law because I'm quite burdened. Too heavy. Right? In Psalm 37, David was so clear about everything. But now in this Psalm, he said, I, I cry. Just cry. Oh, I cry due to the groaning of my heart. You put these two Psalms into comparison. Which one do you love? I sure like summer 38 and repeat it again and again morning and evening 
sitting, even kneeling down on my knees, I like to read this song. This means what? This means that we all have been replaced by Christ. No more I, but Christ lifts me. This is the goal of our life study of Psalms. Ron, to one degree or another, I think all of us start out in Psalm 37. We're all in that principle of law-keeping, of the principle of good and evil. And our goal is Galatians 2.20, no more I but Christ. But it seems to get there, we all have to pass through a kind of Psalm 38 experience, don't we? And while you were formulating that question, you know, it just occurred to me a similar portion in the New Testament to Psalm 38 is Romans 7, yeah, where Paul had been trying before he was saved to do the best to keep the commandments. And he did well, except for one, about coveting, because that commandment addresses something inward, something of sin in the flesh. And that inability to keep the commandment of God brought Paul to his end. Mm. And according to the sequence in Romans, as is presented to us based upon Paul's pre-conversion experience in chapter 7, that leads us into another realm where Christ as the Spirit lives in us and the law of the divine life is operating in us. So in Psalm 37, you have the I trying to fulfill the law. Psalm 38, you have this I realizing there's this weight of sin in my being. There's no soundness in my flesh. I despair. This really is an admission that I, the person, am a flesh of sin I cannot fulfill the requirements of God's law. This implies another must live in me. Another person must live in me, which is the Christ of Galatians 2.20. The context of Galatians 2 is this, is the truth concerning the gospel, that no one can be justified, approved by God, by the works of the flesh. Justification is 100% by faith in Christ and his redemptive work. And the I that tries to keep the law is the I that dies in Christ so that Christ can live. So then Brother Lee ends the segment that we heard with presenting his burden that in studying the Psalms, we would see no longer I, but Christ. Not the I of Psalm 1, the I of trying to be a righteous man according to the law by self-effort. But the Christ in Psalm 2, in Psalm 8, in Psalm 22, this Christ living in us, this Christ expressing himself through us, this is God's economy. So we can succinctly uh, crystallize The two main points of emphasis in this segment of ministry, the first, 
God intends to make himself one with us and to make us one with him, that we may live in this oneness. The second, when we live in union with God in Christ, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Well, that is uh, it's very succinctly the life study. And we have the printed volumes, Ron. We do not uh, set this out to be the most exhaustive, historically detailed exposition of the Old Testament book of the Psalms. This, as you pointed out at the beginning, is seeing the Psalms through this lens of God's economy and touching these marvelous passages, these grand principles that really should govern our reading of the whole Scripture. So we recommend it to our listeners. If you'd like to have these uh, printed volumes to dive into, contact us, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.